This TSN 1040 podcast is powered by Metro Ford. It's hard to beat a Metro Ford deal in Fort Coquitlam and online at MetroMotors.com. Time now for Nation Network Radio on TSN 1040. Here are your hosts, John Abbott and J.D. Burke. Bruins and the Canucks. Yes, indeed, always something special when these two get together, even though it's been a while uh, since the biggest clash between the two franchises, to say the least. Still lots of familiar names. We're, we're going to touch a lot about today's matchup and the storylines of each team this season. Um, the Canucks and Bruins heading in opposite directions, to say the least. And Bob Beers. Keller Analyst for uh, Boston Bruins on the Radio 98.5 Sports Hub is going to join us uh, in our opening segment in just a few minutes. But, J.D., this is this is really an example that can be used on the other side of the ice tonight as to um, how things, how well things have worked for a club uh, when you consider how different it's been since 2011. Yeah, and you look at the way that they're integrating youth into their lineup. They've got so many contributors that they have drafted in the last four seasons, whether it's a Daunton Heinen, an Anders Bjork, you Look at a Jake uh, Louis DeBrusque. Sorry, Jake DeBrusque, his kid. He's going to be calling the game today. Uh, you know what? They've just learned how to do it several different ways, and there's a lot of accountability through that lineup. You look at the way the Brutes Cassidy took over. He came into an unenviable situation. You look at the Bruins when he took that spot as their head coach last season. They were out of the playoffs. He was following in the footsteps of Claude Julian, one of the all-time great coaches in Boston Bruins history. Brought them the Cup in 2011, and he got them to the playoffs. They almost beat the Ottawa Senators, and part of that is just sending the right message throughout his team. I mean, you look at somebody like David Pasternak, his minutes are down lately. You know why? Because he's not playing up to stuff. Just got a $6 million contract in the offseason from Bruins GM Don Sweeney. That cannot be easy to do, and I think perhaps the Canucks could take a, a bit of a cue from that, which brings us to our Nation Network radio poll question, which you can find on tsn1040.ca. We're asking you, the listener, is it time to sit Louis Erickson? Sven Berchi coming off a healthy scratch tonight. He's going to be integrated into the lineup at the expense of Reed Boucher, who is going back down to the Utica Comets. He's going to be eligible for the playoffs should they get there. And as per Canucks Army's Ryan Beach, if he stayed in the lineup another day, he would have to pass through waivers. So a deft little piece of asset management by the Canucks to get Reed Boucher down there ahead of that time constraint. And... I guess well, that's a huge point to make because if people are just tuning in and they see Boucher sent back, they see yeah. Berchi in, that could rub some people the wrong way. Yeah, but it, it's just really depth after asset management, and that's kind of been something that this... Uh, this Kudos to John Wall on that one. Yeah, yeah, you know he had a hand in that, and he's uh, he does a great job with Canucks really on the ball in terms of their analytics and a lot of their progressive video work, so... You know what? You obviously don't want to see Boucher go down because I want to see this guy get a chance. I mean, he had that game against Dallas where he lifts the stick up of, what was it, John Klingberg, who's a potential Norris candidate. That was a good goal. And it kind of spoke to an article by the Athletics' uh, Justin Bourne. He did an article on how the stick check is replacing things like the body check on the four check. And that's how players are getting the puck back. But you know what? We're going to get right back into this Boston Bruins game because we've got their color analyst on the radio joining us. Bob Beers, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. How you doing? Great, Beersy. Nice to talk to you again, my friend. And uh, it's it seems like there's still a hangover uh, between these two teams uh, w- when they collide. Maybe it's because it's once a year. Maybe it's because Canucks fans uh, can never really get over it. But uh, we still we still sense it in our city. I don't know if if Boston fans sense it the same way. 
Um, well, they probably would more so if the results were switched. Um, you know, I think that they've kind of moved on a little bit. You're, you're, you're probably right since it's it's only the once a year in each city. So um, I can definitely see why uh, why it kind of lingers up here in Vancouver. But, um, you know, it's kind of worn off a little bit, I guess, in Boston. I guess, they, you know, Bruins went back to the Cup in, in 2013 against Chicago as well. So, But a lot of people still remember it, and there's still some uh, familiar faces from both teams still around from that Cup. There certainly are, and yet at the same time, a really good mix, it seems like, for the Boston Bruins, uh, which perhaps has allowed that hockey team to surge as it has this season. But let's let's take it back to the head coach and Bruce Cassidy. Uh, since taking over for Claude Julien last year, uh, what's been the biggest impact from the bench boss, Bob? Well, the one thing that he wanted to do uh, when he first came in, and he just he talked about their pace of play. He wanted to play faster. He wanted to practice faster. I uh, just wanted to kind of instill that. And I think if you watch the way that the NHL has gone, I mean, I think we can all agree that you know there's there's a you know a lot of coaches that want to play that way. But in the same time, you want to be responsible on the defensive side of the puck. So you know he's changed a little bit, and and when you, when you talk about playing fast, it's not just with the puck; it's without the puck. You know how do you get it back? Do you back off in certain situations, or do you go after guys and uh, go after the puck carrier and, and close and take away time and space and make sure you get that puck back as quickly as possible? I think that that's something that the Pittsburgh Penguins really perfected over the last couple of years, and a lot of teams, you know, the copycat league that we have. I mean, a lot of teams try to emulate that, and you know, the Bruins are certainly one of them. You know, they've got their own style maybe in the defensive zone, which is a little bit different. You know, more of a, we'll call it a zone as opposed to a man-on-man. But, um, you know, in the neutral zone, trying to get pucks back, trying to take time and space away. Uh, and the guys have bought into it. And he's given them a little bit more leash offensively as well uh, to try some different things. Uh, you know, as long as they don't get too, you know, irresponsible with some of the puck management areas, I guess. Um, but he will give them some freedom to try to make plays, you know. So there's been some times where he's had to pull back a little bit in that situation. But, you know, all in all, the results have been there. They're, they're I don't know if what they are right now. They were the number one defensive team in the league. Uh, they're right up there. And they're also, you know, one of the better offensive teams in the league numbers-wise. So, you know, they're pretty happy about the way things are going. And, um, you know, it's it's worked for them. And, they, and they've responded well to Bruce uh, Cassidy's message. And you mentioned uh, that influx of speed and pace and how the Bees want to play the game and uh, I, I take a look at some of the youth that have played so well whether it's DeBrusque or uh, Bjork or Pasternak um, and then of course you can't forget about McAvoy Heinen the local kid who's going to have a big game uh, in here tonight in uh, his home basically his hometown his home province and it all adds up for me but you're you're the former NHL defenseman how special uh, is Charlie McAvoy and watching him do his thing and, and is he an outside candidate for the Calder this year? Well um, yeah, I mean, we see him every day, so we're a little bit biased, but I know that you guys have a pretty good one up here, too, uh, in a different position in Besser. But, you know, McAvoy plays a lot of hard minutes. Uh, he plays against a lot of the other team's top lines because he's paired with Zdeno Chara. Uh, they've formed a good one-two punch. Chara's kind of taken him under his wing, but I think that they've helped each other in their style of play. Um, he had a little setback there with uh, with heart surgery, so he missed a handful of games, but now he's back in there, and it's taken him a couple games to kind of get back up to speed. Last game against Calgary was, was probably the best one since he's been back, so hoping that that's a good step in the right direction. Uh, he wants to make a difference, and, and I think that that's... 
you know, he's got a short memory. If he makes a mistake, he's he's right back out there just doing the things that he needs to do in order to help the team win. And uh, he's uh, he's a lot of fun to watch. I think offensively, the, the numbers will get a little bit better as he goes along. Uh, defensively, he plays a physical brand. He can play a physical brand. He's a strong skater. Uh, he makes good decisions with the puck generally. So he's he's a lot of fun to watch. And he's going to be a lot of fun to watch develop as the years go on here. Um, but he's he's definitely a candidate. Um, but he's going to have a tough time winning it ahead of you know maybe Be- uh, Besser and, and Barzell over in Long Island there, or for the Islanders, I should say. But he's definitely, I mean, I think he's in the top three. And, and because of the position, because I think it's a little harder position, you know, like, like I said, I'm biased, so I put him up a, a little bit higher. But I don't know if the <laughs> other uh, voters will see it that way. Right, pretty good classes here. You're right. Yeah, fair enough. And Nation Network Radio talking to Bob Beers, Bruins play-by, uh, sorry, color analyst. I was going to ask you, shifting gears from players that are on the Bruins roster currently to ones that pot- could potentially land there. In the Canucks land, they're gearing up for a deadline where they're more likely than not to have to sell off assets as they try to rebuild this franchise going forward. And two Canucks players specifically in Thomas Vanek and Ben Hutton have been connected to the Boston Bruins. You're somebody who travels with the team, somebody who follows them very closely. Can you perhaps speak to those rumors and whether you think there's any anything behind them, if there's any fire to that smoke or how you see it? Well, yeah, um, you know, there's so many rumors out there this time of year. It's hard to kind of separate what's, you know, possibility and what's just uh, people throwing stuff against the, the wall to see what sticks. Um, you know, it's logical. Uh, you know, certainly Thomas Vanek is a player that uh, the Bruins know extremely well from his days with Buffalo and um, you know, some of the things he was able to do. He, he had good success against the Bruins when he played for the Buffalo Sabres. Um, but that's several years ago, and, you know, he's bounced around to a few different teams. You know, he's somebody that can help you with his skill um, and his ability, offensive ability, no question about it. Um, you know, I think that there's a need for the Bruins to, you know, if they're looking to upgrade in uh, certain areas, that would certainly be one of the areas uh, on the wing uh, up front for them. So, you know, that makes sense, I guess, in, in that way. Um, you know, and, and with Ben Hutton, I know that he's had kind of a tough year, but he's also a guy that, uh, um, speaking with some people from Vancouver this morning and, and actually speaking with Travis Green this morning, you know, he feels that he can really be a very good player in this league. Uh, but he's had, he's had a, a bit of a tough year. So, uh, left defense is an area that the Bruins are certainly looking to upgrade on or at least get some depth on, um, because they've got Chara on the left side. They've got Tori Krug and then Matt Grizzlick, who has played well this year. But beyond that, on the left side, at least currently in the NHL, they really don't have anybody on that side. They've got some guys in Providence that they feel can step in and play or, or at least knocking on the door to step in and play. But this is a team that they're hoping you know can make a decent playoff run here. And if somebody goes down on that left side, they really don't have somebody to step in there and play with a lot of NHL experience. So uh, that would be something that they would look at. And I think in Hutton's case, it would be somebody that they would want, you know, for years to come and somebody that they could coach up and develop and, you know, have him maybe a change of scenery and, and whatever. So you know, I'd be interested to watch him. I don't get to see him all that much. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm interested to watch him play tonight along with Bannock. And there'll be a lot of rumors this week that uh, uh, the Bruins are going to be keeping an eye on. And, and this, uh, it, like I said, it, it makes sense. You know, teams are out of the playoffs and looking to move people uh, or looking to uh, other teams looking to improve their rosters. So I, I see why the rumors are there. But it's, like I said, it's hard to figure out what's real and what isn't right now. 
Well, you want to talk about players that a lot of fans would like to see shipped out. I think in Vancouver, the microscope has fallen on Louis Erickson, who left the Boston Bruins for a six-year deal for $6 million per. He struggled a lot in Boston in his first season, but eventually was able to turn it around. And, and something yeah. Canucks fans are going to want to hear is that there's some hope. There's hope that Louis Erickson can start scoring <laughs> and start playing like somebody making $6 million a season. What did the Bruins do to get him going? Or was it just something where it was an issue with timing and he had to get used to his new surroundings and get used to his teammates before he could really take off? Well, I think that was definitely part of it. And then he also had a couple of injuries. He had a couple of head injuries um, uh, in those first couple of years as well. So he was, you know, Louis Erickson's time with Boston, especially the last year he was there. I mean, you know, very good stick. Seemed to always be an intelligent player. Seemed to be always in the right place at the right time. Uh, was real good around the front of the net, you know, uh, finishing plays off down there. But he's never going to be known for his speed. He's never going to be known for, you know, being a fast player. So he's got to be rely on some of that, you know, intelligence uh, out on the ice. And it's just, I think right now, well, we haven't, I haven't seen him play. So to be fair, I, I, I don't know. But my guess would be, you know, the league is just a little bit faster right now. And it has kind of passed him a little bit uh, in that sense. Now, can he rekindle that? I guess with the right chemistry, with the right line mates, absolutely. I think he'd be a good complimentary player with, you know, a good centerman, uh, which he was in Boston. And they had him out there in every situation in Boston. You know, end the games, beginning, um, uh, I should say, you know, with a lead, uh, uh, protecting a lead. They had him out there in a lot of those situations. And he ended up being a good player for them. They did try to resign him, but I thought that feel that the, you know they thought that that contract was too rich and they weren't going to go that high. They ended up signing David Backus for a similar contract um, to get a little stronger on the wings, actually. So, um, you know, I hope I hope that he does well. He's, he was always a, a you know good person in Boston. He was well liked there by the teammates and and, and everything. Uh, unfortunately for him, he was kind of coming over in the Tyler Sagan trade, so he was never going to be looked at in Boston as somebody that. Um, was successful in his tenure there just because of that, even though he got, I think he had 30 goals one year. So, you know, hopefully he does the job here in Vancouver here in the years to come. Uh, Bob, we'll give you a couple more before we let you go. We know it's game day, but uh, just in some storylines and uh, perhaps <laughs> yeah, perhaps you don't realize this, but preceding the Bruins getting to town with yourself uh, covering the team, uh, they've sort of been stacked up one against the other. The, the Bruins now compared to where they were in 2011 and the Canucks now compared to where they were in 2011. And it's easy to see, obviously, in yeah. the head-to-head that the Bs are, are further ahead in the, in the present day. But along that line of thinking, I know Bruce Cassidy, from talking to some of the Bruins or in talking people around the game, you know, he's found a way to mix in some quote-unquote tough love and get the most out of his players, whether that's from raw rookies or even recently guys like David Pasternak. Is that is that up to a certain coach to have that ability? Is that uh, the fact that he has a really good temperature uh, of his hockey team? I'm just it's curious how he's able to um, make some stern moves like that where maybe other teams aren't as able to do that. Yeah, he's had to make some tough decisions this year, uh, and he's had some of that tough love that you're talking about. I mean, there was one point earlier in the season where Tuka Rask sat for four games straight, so their you know, backup goaltender, Anton Udobin, stepped in and did the job for four games straight, and since then, Rask has been outstanding for them. Um, the team has been a lot better. He, he's, he sat out, you know, Jake DeBrusque earlier in the season, and DeBrusque got back in there and responded extremely well. Uh, you know, he's cut back ice time from time to time on certain guys, and they've responded well. 
I think it starts with the leadership, to be honest with you. You know, Bergeron and, and Char are consummate leaders. They, they've taken the uh, role of helping the younger guys along and become good pros to another level. And then the fact that the younger guys are mature. They, they've got terrific attitudes and they've, they've taken the criticism properly where, you know, they don't sit in the, in the press box for that one game and mope. They come back and they come back with, you know, renewed energy and, and enthusiasm and, you know, ready to go. Like a guy like Jake DeBrus responded extremely well earlier this season when he got sat down. So, uh, I think it starts with the leadership. Uh, you know, the younger guys don't want to let those guys down because they realize how hard they work and how well they play. And then, you know, their ability to, to, uh, to bounce back and, and work together. You know, Zdeno Char refuses to allow the young guys get treated like young guys. You know, they're, they're on the team. They're teammates. And, you know, there's certain things you still have to do protocol-wise. You know, you have to pick up pucks or you have to be first in the ring, last ring, that type of thing. But they, they've responded extremely well. They've got a good group of, of young guys who, uh, um, who don't want to let the older guys down and vice versa. So it, it's, it's been a good handle for Bruce Cassidy. He's done an outstanding job so far. And a lot of the moves he's made, including sitting David Paz or sending Pasternak to a different line last game against Calgary, moving David back us up, you know, to give him more physical presence. Um, it's it's worked for them. So, you know, that's we see how far it goes. I mean, it's going to be a busy schedule here coming down the stretch, but so far, so good for them. Well, Beersley, and that's where I was going to go just with my last question, and uh, I'm glad you touched on it a bit in your answer there. I, I just... It takes it's so much work in the best league in the world to have a couple of younger players or a couple of rookies implemented in your lineup, let alone having the mix that the the Boston Bruins do. And and so that I, I was curious about how it's been able to work so well. But that sounds like it's just the right type of younger players, the right mix of younger players. Yeah, I mean, and you know, it's. Um there's five rookies in the lineup today, uh, and that's been the norm for them all season. Uh, there's there's two on defense in McAvoy and Grizzlick. Uh, there's there's a, a fourth liner in Sean Corrali who's done an extremely good job this year, uh, working extremely hard on that fourth line and kind of giving them an identity. And then you know they've got uh, DeBrusque and Heinen are the other two, and so there's five in the lineup here today. The, the veterans, you know, management went to the vets. You know, in the offseason, said, "Look, you know, we're going to we need to go this direction. Um, you know, that's been our plan all along. You know, they drafted, they developed, uh, and these guys have stepped in now and and they're ready for NHL hockey and you know on an everyday basis. But you know, it it only goes so far as the the veterans are going to bring you. I mean, you've got a core group of, you know, certainly Char on the back end and then Bergeron and." Um, I can't believe you guys haven't asked me about Marshan yet, but Marshan up front, um, you know, and, and as far as those guys will, will you know, reach down and, and make sure that, you know, they're, they're helping these guys along and uh, when, when they need it. And so it's been a good mix. Everybody's bought into the program of what they've needed to do. Um, I think the character goes a long way of the younger guys. Uh, it's, it's a group that really enjoys being around one another. It's, it's been a good locker room this year. You know, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun to be around, really, because the team seems to really enjoy themselves and and, um, and they play hard. They play hard every night. You know, the results might not be there every night, but they do play hard every night. And it's something that uh, they're looking forward to this trip now. You got tonight against Vancouver, and then you got a rematch against Calgary. That was a good physical game the other day against the Flames. That's on Monday, and then Edmonton on Tuesday before we finish up with Toronto and Buffalo. So, good mix of games, different teams. Um, they're looking forward to this trip. They've been looking forward to it, and. Uh, 
Um, it's always a kind of a treat to come out to Western Canada. We shame we only get to do it once a year, but I know a lot of the guys look forward to it. Well, we look forward to your call tonight, and uh, trust me, we all know the story on '63. So uh, we'll we'll save that for another day. But we appreciate you won't it. Get booted all tonight, will you? <laughs> uh, no guarantees. Uh, we won't we won't put an over under on that one. But uh, uh, yeah, we appreciate you joining us on a game day very much, Bob. And uh, nice to catch up with you again. Thank you. All right, yeah, you too, guys. Thanks very much for having me. Bob Beers, uh, radio color analyst with the Boston Bruins, ahead of the Canucks and Bruins tonight. And uh, it is countdown to face-off that will start uh, right when we're off the air. We're with you until 5 o'clock. John Abbott J.D. Burke and countdown to face-off. We'll have you covered for the Canucks and Bees. And, boy, lots of interesting um, elements to the interview with Bob and his responses yeah. as it relates to a hockey team that is up and coming. And uh, I know we'll talk about that throughout the show here as it potentially relates to the Vancouver Canucks. Um, we're also going to be joined by uh, Yannick Beachler next segment to go into the prospects. Uh, Yannick's going to be joining us from Germany, so we don't want to keep him waiting too long, but I can tell you this uh, from some of the stats that Jeff Patterson uh, conjures together on a daily basis, uh, some unbelievable stats relating to the, the Boston Bruins. 22-4 uh, and four picking up 44 of a possible 52 points since the middle of December. And they enter on this road trip that uh, Beersy mentioned they're so excited about that begins in Vancouver tonight, having not lost a game in regulation in their last 13 road games. I know we got to go here, Abs, but we're talking about amazing Bruins stats. I remember this one that came up a lot throughout the season was that the Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak line had yet to give up a goal at 5-on-5 five five until about mid-January. You want to talk about impressive stats? There aren't any better than that. And we can touch on the tough love that's been shown, how the veterans relate to having younger players offer up some success, and... The fact that there's five rookies that have been in the lineup all season long for the Boston Bruins, uh, because that might be something that's ahead for the Vancouver Canucks. Our next guest will touch on that as well. It's uh, Yannick Beachler, uh, contributor to Canucks Army and regional scout for Future Considerations Hockey. He's over in Europe uh, keeping track of the European prospects. We'll talk to him when Nation Network Radio returns on TSN 1040. We're back with more Nation Network Radio on TSN 1040. Presented by Shark Club Sports Bar and Grill each and every week. And uh, JD and I have been able to make the trip down there t together. We've sort of been there on our own times, but able to get in there and together. Corner of Georgia and Beatty. Uh, come eat, drink, talk a little trash, learn more at sharkclub.com. Uh, even if you spill your water, you're okay there. That's right. Not that I did. <laughs> okay. Hey, that was there, not me. There's the talking trash part, all right? Yeah, let's So we've clear. got that. Uh, lots of uh, Lots of specials. Every day, Monday to Sunday, obviously. You know what I'm going to say is go after the game and go to the Shark after dark. Yeah. Maybe you get one of those Frito pie oh. bags. I mean, that is some Tex-Mex like, brought to you right up here in Vancouver, and I'm all about it. I mean, you've had a few beers at the game, maybe. Had a few beers watching the game. That is the maybe you want. Maybe your night's not done. Maybe your night's not done, exactly. You need to refuel so you can keep going. I'm going for the Frito bag. Uh, Shark Club, uh, appreciate being able to dip our head in there, and uh, we'll be back. So if you see us in there, 
you can certainly use that last line about talking a little trash. Uh, we hope to be connecting with Yank Beachler, who works with uh, Future Considerations Hockey as a regional scout, and he's based out of Germany uh, around the Dusseldorf area, so has his finger on the pulse of Canucks prospects like Jonathan Dolan, Ole Levy, Elias Pedersen, Lucas Jasic, and many others, so we're still efforting to connect with him. In the meantime, we'll let you know, as always, it's the full two hours. We do have scheduled guests, but still lots of talk time and ample talk time today. In fact, our entire second hour is wide open. If you'd like to chime in on the fact that Hutton is a healthy scratch for the game tonight, that Philip Holm will not play, that Sven Berchi is back in, that Reed Boucher has been reassigned. Now, again, good point by my broadcast partner, J.D. Burke, indicating that through Ryan Beach, bringing everyone to attention, Beach of Canucks Army, of course, that another couple of hours and Reed Boucher would have required waivers to be sent to the American Hockey League. So the move was uh, a necessity for the Vancouver Canucks in order to continue to manage uh, their pool of players between Utica and the Vancouver Canucks. But that also affords Sven Berchi to get back into the lineup. Should have he come out? Uh, should he be back in, potentially playing with Dowd and Vertanen? Should he be playing with Horvat and Besser? Do you like the fact that Goldobin is up with Horvat and Besser, as we expect that way to start for Travis Green tonight? Uh, you can reach us 604-280-1040, toll-free 1-844-876-1040. Email live at tsn1040.ca. Text us at 1040-40. If you're emailing or texting, uh, please sign your text. We'd love to give you credit and uh, call you uh, out by name uh, in a positive way. And folks, as well, you can reach us on Twitter at HockeyAbs, A-B-B-S, at J. Dylan Burke with an E on the end uh, on his Twitter handle. And the poll question today relating to the Boston-Vancouver ties, is it time to sit Louis Erickson? Yes, it's overdue. No, what difference does it make? Or, yeah, sit him on a plane to Utica. You can weigh in at tsn1040.ca as well on our Twitter feed at tsn1040. And JD, as we uh, wait to connect with uh, Yannick Beechler over in Germany, it's late night for him over there, so uh, hopefully right. he uh, hasn't hopefully he hasn't gone to sleep on us. But interesting stuff from Bob Beers. We came in hot with the interview with the, the Bruins radio color analyst, and uh, right. so many things can cross over between uh, comparing the two teams since they met in the Stanley Cup Finals back in 2011 and uh, some things jumped off the page at me. The fact that okay, well there's five rookies playing for the Boston Bruins and quickly if you go down the list of players that could be inserted into the Canucks lineup next year and maybe it's too much. We won't I mean we can debate that but this is just using an example would Thatcher Demko be part of the plans as early as next year? Would Adam Gaudet be part of the plans as early as next year? Would Elias Patterson be part of the plans as early as next year? Would Jonathan Dolan join him on next year's team? Is Ole Levy going to arrive on the blue line? That's five names right there that the Vancouver Canucks. And, okay, that's a stretch. In my opinion, that is a stretch to think that all five of them would be there. But somehow, the Bruins have made it work. And unbelievably well, to say the least, in Boston. And uh, maybe that's in the minority of the National Hockey League because you see what teams like Arizona have had to go through. But that'll be an intriguing 
question and intriguing scope to watch as we get into next year. Well, one way to find out is we're going to be able to talk to Yannick Beachler here because I've heard we've got him on the line from Canucks Army, from Future Considerations, and a regional scout at that, somebody who's followed Elias Pettersson, Oliu Levy, and even Jonathan Dolan relatively closely this season. How are you doing today, Yannick? He's doing well. How are you guys? Doing well. Thanks so much for joining us. I guess we'll get right into it. Jim Benning, when he was announced as the Canucks general manager for the next three seasons, rather, he got his contract extension. Part of that conversation centered around what they're going to do to to right this ship. How are they going to correct the course of this franchise? And he said, I've got about five to six blue chip prospects. Where do you stand on his assessment of the Canucks prospect pool? Um, yeah, I'm not sure about the whole uh, five blue chip prospects uh, thing. I mean, um, we've kind of been having this whole conversation on Twitter as well about uh, what is a blue chip prospect at all. Is it a, uh, you know, just a guy that makes the NHL? Is it someone who's like a top top line impact player? And uh, I do think it's the latter. And when you look at that, we uh, really only see Elias Patterson there right now, who I think uh, can be that first line player for the Canucks for uh, many years to come, even though he still has some, uh, he, he'll still need some time, but I think he'll get there in the end. Um, but then after that, I think uh, maybe Thatcher Demko can uh, definitely be a starter for the Canucks. And then, uh, yeah, we get to Ole Levy, who at this point, I think, um, his project's more as like a, a top four guy. Um, I'm not sure about that top pairing uh, power play quarterback thing that he was supposed to be. Um, he's still doing really well. I really like him, but I'm not sure about the whole uh, five blue chip prospects uh, story. Yeah, that one stuck out as a bit rich to me. I guess part of the equation, too, is who is going to be the first-line center of this team's future? I know a lot of people see Bo Horvat as that guy. I see him as more of a Kessler to a Henrik Sedin, if you want to use 2011 terms. Now, one person that the Canucks are banking on to fill that role is somebody that you've been following closely. That's Elias Pettersson. And it just so happens that this year... After playing wing almost exclusively for Timra last season, Wasvaxio in the Swedish Hockey League, he has switched to center in the last few weeks. How has that transition gone for Elias Pettersson? Um, I have to say he's he's been doing well, but it's um, you can clearly see that he hasn't been playing center in a while and that he uh, played on the wing for both uh, Sweden at the World Juniors and now in uh, the Swedish League too. Um, he's still, you know, he's... And I think we lost Yannick Beachler there. he's struggling physically. Oh. That's... Is he back? I don't know. I'm still there. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Yannick, we have you now. Sorry, you were just cutting it out. Please continue. Sorry, yeah. I was uh, just saying you can definitely see uh, Pedersen... Uh, was on the wing for the most uh, part of the season. Um, he's been adjusting well, I would say, but you can still see he's kind of struggling physically um, and also struggling on the defensive side. And when you just look at, I mean, the, the difference between a winger and a center essentially is uh, that you kind of have more responsibility uh, defensively in the own zone covering uh, the slot and, and rather than just focusing on like a D-man on the point or even in uh, man coverage kind of uh, doing a little more but as the center you really have that large responsibility added and um, that's one area where Patterson uh, we'll try and keep you on the line uh, and, and yep there, sorry you're just cutting out again we'll try one more time with you Yannick uh, please continue you were just finishing your point on uh, Elias Patterson 
Um, yeah, I think uh, he still has some has a long way to go to be a center at the NHL level, but he is uh, definitely adjusting. Um, I think he might need some time in Utica if uh, the Canucks want to really play him at center. I don't think it would be good to just rush him in and uh, try to let him play as a center. Um, if they want to rush him in as a winger, that's one way to do it, but for to play center, I still think he has a lot of work to do. Well, I guess that is the question because when they drafted him, I was there in Chicago and Jim Benning was adamant that Elias Pettersson is going to be a playmaking center for this team for the next decade at least. Uh, so their scout, Radin, was saying earlier this season that he thought Elias Pettersson could come over and play in the NHL this year. Your assessment of that is that if Elias Pettersson comes over next year, do you think he can play on the wing at the NHL level? Um, I, honestly, I'm not sure. I mean, um, he's, if you just look at the stats, he's obviously doing really well and better than, uh, a lot of players have in the past in that league. Um, but just especially physically and, um, also just watching him play, he, he obviously is a great power play guy who's, uh, you know, he has that one timer, gets those one time shots. And I think, uh, Yannick, Apologize. Uh, we'll effort to maybe get you back on the line, but a bad connection there. And so uh, we thank you very much for trying to uh, put up with us late in the evening in Germany. But uh, that was some good stuff, despite a couple of yep. uh, blips on the radar there, J.D., talking about uh, Elias Pettersson more specifically and most dominantly as to how ready he is. And uh, nice to have Yannick on the program. I know you helped line it up, but uh, he's a guy that... Uh, does is credible in uh, seeing a lot of these players not only in person but just more often than so many of us are afforded yeah and that's something that we're not going to be able to pick on pick up on is he talked about elias Pettersson. the points are still coming as he transitions from the wing to center but we're not going to be able to see whether that transition has been as equally effective when he's in the defensive zone when he's in man-on-man coverage when somebody who i mean generously speaking does elias Pettersson weigh what like a buck 70 is he going to hold up physically against men and this is a good test run in the shl and i think that the canucks should be happy with Pettersson's development that he's finally getting some shots to play the wing with faxio in the s SHL, Sorry, a bit of a tongue twister there. Because when I spoke to a few scouts at the draft last season, the consensus was that, for all the Canucks' hopes, Elias Pettersson probably projects as a winger. And when you just think about it based on how he's played these last two seasons, up until a few weeks ago, Pettersson hadn't played a shift at center for Vaxio. And and that, to me, doesn't speak well development-wise. If you look at him last season with Timra, he wasn't playing a lot at center in the Al Svenskin. Because, again, if you're a younger player, you don't have the size, you're not quite ready to handle those defensive responsibilities. So that's a big storyline for the Canucks. They have a lot of faith in him to play that position, to be effective up and down the ice. But it remains to be seen, and I'm just happy that he's finally getting some looks in that position. Because as Beachler said, he wasn't even playing center at the World Junior Championships. World Junior, you know, in Buffalo. I mean, you were there. And most of his goals were on the power play. A lot of his production came there. And even his strength, he kind of wiltered a bit. So... There's definitely some room for growth there, and that's the thing with prospects. They put up the points. You see a lot of the progress. They're not all going to hit on their ceilings, so you want to hear about the small things, the little details, and what does Travis Green always talk about, the attention to detail. So 
Glad to hear that there's been some progress on that front with Elias Pettersson and that he's getting the opportunity to grow as a center against men in the SHL. And there were many that thought he was going to be part of Sweden's Olympic team. Obviously, we know that is not the case. Uh, and, you know, that was considered a, a lock at one point, um, yeah. that that was going to be uh, not even a question. And I like the approach that the Canucks have taken to the point where, uh, of course, they're always trying to manage things properly but i i believe unless there's been uh, an alternate statement that they've committed to Dolan and Patterson yes making the jump to North America next year but that doesn't mean necessarily it's clear cut Vancouver Canucks it certainly could be rounding out that development taking the next step playing for the Utica Comets or wherever the American Hockey League franchise is, is going to be and maybe adjusting a little bit more to the points that you brought up JD so I won't say that it's out of the question that both of those players could be in the American League and that's just fine if indeed they their progression and their trajectory is going to need a little bit more as it arcs up towards the NHL. I think it, it is very difficult, obviously, for players to step in, but um, it'll be a challenge to fight off what is likely a fan base that uh, is just ready to see some brilliant youth engaged because you look at yep. other teams in the National Hockey League like the one across the ice surface tonight and you see young players, you see rookies getting opportunities and that is something that's hard to look past. Uh, John Abbott, J.D. Burke with you, Nation Network Radio, uh, powered and fueled by Shark Club Sports Bar and Grill. We're with you for uh, another hour and a half, right up to five o'clock. And we'll get your thoughts as well throughout the program on many things. Uh, throw us a question. Throw us a comment. We'll get to it, particularly on the other side, as we dive in deeper to the Canucks roster as it stands against the Boston Bruins. Who's in? Who's out? Should it be that way? And maybe some considerations as to players that could be on the move and why things aren't working as well for some others also, John Abbott, J.D. Burke, Nation Network Radio, on your home for Vancouver Sports, TSN 10. We're back with more Nation Network Radio on TSN 1040. As mentioned, Berchi going from a healthy scratch back into the lineup, uh, expected to take Boucher's spot, if you will. For those that missed it, Reed Boucher officially reassigned to the Utica Commons today. And by way of J.D. Burke, courtesy uh, Ryan Beach, indicating and confirming that it was a must that the Canucks move Boucher back to the American League because otherwise he would require waivers to transfer to and from. And so Berchi, perhaps maybe the, the benefit of the opportunity there, able to slide back in but not expected to start with Horvat and Besser as normal running mates and interesting to hear the comments from Sven Berchi, JD who uh, have obviously has obviously had a bit of a a well he certainly has a long-standing relationship with Travis Green and hesitant to put a label on it because I'm I'm not there to ask the opinion of both of them but it seems like it's been up and down, to say the least. And the thing that sticks out for me is that even though there is the relationship there with Berchin, Travis Green, and maybe Travis does hold Sven to a higher standard because he knows what he, he should expect out of him, this is still the second coaching staff that has had to do this with Sven Berchi. Willie Desjardins did it as well. I can think all the way back to a game uh, against the Washington Capitals in Washington, one of the toughest turnarounds I've been a part of. In all of the Canucks travel, which is some of the most difficult in the league, they played an evening game in Florida and then flew from Florida to D.C. 
to be on the ice for a 5 o'clock start time. It was the return of Yannick Hansen after an injury. And you're asking me, why do I remember all this? I'm not quite sure, but I <laughs> I do have all this retained. And Sven Berchi was a healthy scratch that day. And I remember that aspect of it, especially because uh, that had some people's heads turning at the time. But it's not the first time for Sven. Well, it sounds like he wasn't the only one who was building some character there. It sounds like you had your own trials and tribulations just getting to the game yourself. Well, I just mean in general. <laughs> I didn't have any problem getting to the game. I just mean in general. That's a ridiculous back-to-back yes, for National that, Hockey that That is. I will grant you that. Uh, You know what? I kind of worry about just acquiescing to the authority of these NHL coaches. I mean, yes, it does say something, but I'm always curious as to how much. Because last year, Willie Desjardins was playing Jason Magna with the Sedins. He was playing Michael Chaput with the Sedins. Uh, Travis Green was playing Nick Dowd, what, 15 to 20 minutes a night for a stretch there. These people aren't infallible. Certainly, they've got a better grasp on the game. They've got a better grasp on what's going on behind the scenes. But I don't really want to grant that appeal to authority that their word is the final say. I mean, is there something there? Absolutely. I don't think it's a coincidence that two coaches have scratched him back-to-back. But, I mean, if you look at what Bershi had done in the previous four games, he had four points. And going into that, Louis Erickson had four points in the last month of play. Now, you want to talk about accountability. Sven Berchi might not be bringing it, but how do you say to him with a straight face that he's the issue when you got Louis Erickson four points in a month, when you got Brandon Sutter, who's not producing in spite of the fact that he's playing big minutes, and he's making $4.3 million. And you got to produce with a salary like that. So no goals in 10 for Louis Erickson coming that's into right. tonight. Uh, do, do you want to throw out the poll question? TSN1040.ca? Yeah, that's right. TSN1040.ca. You can follow us on the Twitter account, too. We're asking you, should Louis Erickson sit? I think it's time that he had to watch a game from the press box. I don't know. Yeah, I think. But are you, it sounds like, based on your last response there, J.D., that you're sort of applying that to the veterans more than just Louis. Is yeah. it, am, I get, am I reading you right on that, that it's maybe time it? for another message to be sent? Well, if you want to send a message about accountability, why is it always the easy targets that find themselves in the crosshairs? I mean, you look at Ben Hutton. He, all his underlying metrics for the last month are great. I can't speak to his off-ice habits. I can't speak to his workout routine. I usually don't comment on those things because I don't have a proper gauge. So I can't say one thing negatively or positively to that respect. What I can tell you is that the Canucks do better with Ben Hutton on the ice than without. What I can tell you is that alternatives to Ben Hutton, whether it's a Michael Delzato, whether it's an Eric Goodbranson, whether it's Alex Biega, are all getting outshot, outscored, outplayed, then they're making more money. So where's the accountability? It's always the easy targets. And that's the problem for me. But, okay, so I'll play devil's advocate here for a moment. When does it, when does that come out on the player's side of the, the ledger here? Because it's always the same guys, is what you're saying, but that proves the point for the coach as well. So it's two coaches now. That have had that have identified that Sven Berchi needs some motivation at times, and mm-hmm. some of the ways to do that is to sit him down. So, I get your perspective that okay, you know maybe wrongfully he has been removed out of the lineup ahead of some other guys that could certainly qualify. But yet it's hard to look past that it comes back to Sven. Don't you think there's a reason for that too? I mean, perhaps. I mean, where there's smoke, there's fire. I just don't know how much smoke there is. That's what I'm saying. It's hard for me to comment on things that I can't see. And when I look at the on-ice product, 
You can't tell me that a coach is going to sit somebody when it comes at the expense of their wins and losses. And we can know that looking at Willie Desjardins, looking at any coach, they all play to win the game. I hate to use that quote. I hate to invoke that that great press clip, but they play to win the game. It's as simple as that. And the problem for me isn't that they just want to motivate Ben Hutton, because I can see that. I can see sitting him once or twice. I can see them doing that occasionally, playing him lower minutes. This is nine scratches in 25 games. And it's not just that. If you want to talk about getting the most out of him, they're sitting him against one of the chief teams that has shown interest in trading for him. They've got a logjam on the left side. So you can't tell me this is exclusively about asset management, or he'd be out there tonight playing against the Bruins as a showcase to say, hey, if you guys want to trade for him, this is what you're getting. And for me, the easy targets thing doesn't just come down to the fact that they've been in this spot before because Ben Hutton hasn't. This is his first healthy scratch in his professional career. This season? This season. Well, I, no, last season he wasn't a healthy scratch either. No, I know. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah Like, yeah. not tonight is his first healthy yeah, scratch. Yeah, I mean, this, this season, season is his yeah, first. Yeah, that's what I was trying to Healthy right scratches. Out. Good correction. But what about Eric Goodbranson? What about Brandon Sutter? These guys are outshot 6-4 to four on the hour. You can't win with players like that making three and a half million, four million. I know Green doesn't sign these players to these contracts, but he has to see. Like, is, do you think it's a coincidence that they're constantly being outshot with those guys on the ice? Do you think it's a coincidence that this team struggles to keep pucks out of the net, or that they can't score with those players on the ice? You know where a little bit where I have to go with this is that. Trusting Travis Green knows his players, and some guys are better when they're a little ticked off about the situation. Some guys, uh, I don't know if Sven is being able to be grouped into that category, but some guys need that step back, and it's surprising what they can do afterwards. That's where, again, we don't know as much because we're not in that coach's room when it comes down to it. It sounded like Sven was holding back a little bit this morning. Some of his prior comments and we didn't have time to run the entire interview. He started by saying well it's a coach's decision. We'll leave it at that. Then he couldn't help himself to offer up that comment indicating that yeah we have a history and Travis has high expectations for me. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's not. And so you get the sense that yes Sven Berchi's frustrated and absolutely he wants to play and who wouldn't? I mean, that's what, that's what it should be. You want to be an everyday NHLer. And for the most part, Sven has made strides. I think earlier in his career and earlier in his tenure with the Vancouver Canucks, some of those scratches under Willie Desjardins' regime was about development. Mm-hmm. And so I, I certainly understand those a lot better or a lot easier because you really don't have to break it down. It was Sven rounding out his game, and you could see the development from Sven Berch. I mean, that's part of the reason why he ended up on the power play back in those days was finally being able to round out his game and I thought he was a better player for it but where's that line where's that line where it's past trying to pull what's best out of the player and maybe him taking a look around the room and deciding that he's just going to be ticked off about it and maybe that doesn't translate it's an interesting dynamic because there's so many unknowns but part of it is from my perspective, trusting that the coach knows his room and knows what buttons to push for each guy. And it seems like maybe that's a button that needs to be pushed for Sven Berchi because he's been in that position before. As for Ben Hutton, again, difficulty to talk about what he's not doing 
away from the rink, what he should be doing away from the rink, what his percentage of effort level is away from playing the actual game. So talking about workouts and preparation and uh, video and strength and conditioning training and all that stuff that is closed doors. I think there's a reason for him to be scratched that many times. To your point, if it was going to affect the direct standings and you were seeing it, why would coach continue to do it? That said, I liked his game against the Florida Panthers. Am I completely out to lunch here? I thought two games ago against Florida, when Hutton was in the lineup, he kept his game simple. He, he did a great job. Exiting the zone, if he had to, off the glass. Being able to take a puck, move it quickly with authority, and not think about it. Maybe that's where he was plagued earlier this season, is that he was either taking too much time, whether that was thought process, you know, processing the game, or trying to do a little bit, quote, too much. I thought he had a very efficient, simple game against the Florida Panthers for the most part. Well, here's what I'll tell you. When Ben Hutton was on the ice in that game, the Canucks controlled 65% of the shots. When Ben Hutton's been on the ice from January 14th to February 14th, he has the best Corsi 4 percentage on the team. That means that the Canucks control the highest ratio of shot attempts with him on the ice. The highest goals 4 percentage. Simple enough. Who's outscoring who? The Canucks are on the better side of the equation with Ben Hutton on the ice. Trevor writes in, and uh, we got to skate here pretty soon. We're, yeah, we're so wrapped up in it that we're way over the top of the hour. Uh, Trevor writes in, perhaps trade Ben Hutton. Okay, that's been thrown out. But how about this? Package him along with someone else to get a player like Tage Thompson from St. Louis. Well, that is oddly specific. I got to say, this is somebody who knows his prospects. If you're going into the Tage Thompson files, I, yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm just looking at the numbers game here. You got Philip Holm, you got Ole Ulevi, Delzado, Edler. How do you find a room for all these left shot defensemen? Ben Hutton is probably not going to be a core part of this team going forward. Tage Thompson maybe could be, and I'm willing to roll the dice on that. You heard so. Bob. You heard Bob Beer's uh, radio color analyst for the Boston Bruins saying he was. Looking forward to getting a chance to see Ben Hutton play tonight. Uh, that was before, or sorry, that was after the late news arrived that Hutton was going to be a scratch this evening. So uh, Bob Beers will not get his wish. I but didn't have the heart to tell him. No, uh, that was that was late news. <laughs> uh, but my point being that uh, there's the radio guy from the Boston Bruins saying he'd like to get a look at Hutton and admitted as much that maybe that's an area the Bruins aren't as deep at is that particular side of the blue line. So interesting comments from Bob Beers as it relates to Ben Hutton. We'll talk about Hutton, Boucher. We'll get into Jim Benning and his comments earlier after his extension and uh, talk, obviously, about what direction the Canucks are heading in and teeing up the game. By the way, countdown to faceoff is coming up following us. That begins at 5 o'clock. It'll be Blake Price and even McClutchy today. McClutch is going to join uh, Mr. Price in studio, uh, so that'll be fantastic as they really sink their teeth into the Bruins and the Canucks. But we're with you for another hour of Nation Network Radio presented by Shark Club Sports Bar and Grill on your home for Vancouver Sports, TSN 1040. This TSN 1040 podcast is powered by Metro Ford. It's hard to beat a Metro Ford deal in Fort Coquitlam and online at metromotors.com.